This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. Now, tinnitus is a condition that affects many people in the UK, but is it taken seriously enough? And are sufferers receiving the treatment they should be getting? To find out, I'm joined by the Tinnitus Clinic's Principal Audiologist, Mark Williams. Hi, Mark. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Now, to be clear, what exactly is tinnitus? Well, tinnitus is the involuntary perception of sound that doesn't correlate with external noise. So people that experience it often report of hearing some kind of a high-pitched noise, uh, ringing, whistling or shushing, that they normally localise to their ears or their head. Now, this is something I'm actually quite familiar with, Mark, because I've had tinnitus uh, for a good few years now, and it seems to be more prominent at certain times and I find that when I'm stressed yeah it can be quite prominent absolutely I mean an interesting feature of the condition is that the prominence of it is reactive to your emotional state so typically emotional states like well normally fear or or, or anger so anxiety or, or, or rage actually do cause or your auditory sensitivity to increase and the tinnitus increases as a result of that. It's such an interesting condition because, like you mentioned, it's not a direct sound that's causing no. it, it's internal. So it's uh, yeah. basically our brains creating that sound. It is, that's right. I mean, it's linked to hearing loss. Um, I mean, the vast majority of people report of hearing some kind of a high-pitched noise. Um, and, you know, one feature of being a mammal is that we all lose our high-pitched hearing as we go through life. And in about 10% of it, well, one in 10 people, uh, a high-pitched illusion emerges as the brain tries to compensate for this reduction in high-pitched input coming from the, the ear. When people go to concerts and experience loud music, maybe in clubs and things like that, is that temporary ring the same thing as the tinnitus that sufferers would have? Yes, it is. It is the same thing. But the difference is is that when you're young enough, uh, your auditory system can recover from that impact. So what you notice normally is that when you move out of a, a music venue or indeed a, a noisy pub, you walk out feeling a little bit deaf with a ringing in your ears. And this is because your hearing organ, your cochlea, has become temporary, temporarily stunned, really, by the, uh, the, the overactivity. And then over the next two days or so, normal service resumes. Um, but tinnitus emerges really when that damage starts to become more permanent as as a chronic thing I should say yeah Mm. with that link to hearing loss that must be doubly difficult for people then if they're not hearing things properly but they have this constant noise yes I mean it can be I mean the the thing is is that some often if you if you test somebody's hearing and they've got a normal hearing test that doesn't necessarily mean they've actually got normal hearing it because we only test within the speech frequencies and we're capable of hearing you know much higher much higher than that Um, but you often find that uh, if individuals have normal clinical hearing, their tinnitus is, 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 is far higher in pitch. The difficulty starts to emerge, as you actually just as you just mentioned, is when someone you know does have a hearing loss that cuts through the speech spectrum, so they're not really hearing speech as well as they should be, and they've got tinnitus on top of that. That can be that can be quite challenging. That must be very difficult. Just how bad can it be for some people? 
Well, it's all linked to to an individual's emotional reaction to it. Um, it's I personally believe, and so do colleagues of mine, that it's easier to live with certain forms of the condition. So if somebody has tinnitus that's you know fairly low pitch uh, and they've got reasonable hearing, they're only going to hear it in very quiet situations. And that can be masked or nullified by switching on a radio, for example. Talk radio is sufficient to cover it up. However, if you've got poor hearing and very high-pitched tinnitus, it's, it's much much more salient you know it's, it's much more vivid you know it's like a candle in a pitch black room it's entirely entirely it's perceivable in all environments and that's that sort of perception can cause people to become very anxious over time and it's the anxiety that can reduce the ability to sleep the ability to concentrate uh, and indeed engage in everyday tasks i guess when people go to sleep that must be the time when everything's quiet that they're most aware of their tinnitus Exactly. I mean, there's more of a contrast between the tinnitus and the quiet of most bedrooms. Uh, but the issue is, is that your hearing sensitivity will actually start to increase when you're in a quiet place for a protracted period of time. So the tinnitus can, in fact, start to get louder in quiet situations. Yeah, that's something I've definitely found mymyself. One of the things mm. that I do, Mark, is to listen to the radio at night. Because yes. it's a little bit of a distraction from what I would per- perhaps perceive uh, as the tinnitus. Absolutely. I mean, it helps to shift your attentional focus away from it. You're, you're quite right. Um, it, it all depends, as I say, on the pitch of the tinnitus uh, and indeed how you know somebody's residual hearing ability. There are some other things. There are apps and white noise machines, I believe, that can be uh, effective in making yeah. people distract themselves from their tinnitus? Yes, I mean, white noise has been used since the late 1970s. Uh, I mean, it's quite an old-fashioned way, really, of trying to help people cope with the condition because white noise can often be more invasive and intrusive than the tinnitus itself. Uh, I mean, the way that it's treated in uh, modern practice, really, is to try and bespoke or tailor sound therapies to, to meet the requirements of the person's hearing ability and also their tinnitus pitch. In terms of sufferers seeking out help, are people being dealt with in the right way? Are they having the opportunity to receive treatments through their GP and through the NHS? Well, unfortunately, the evidence the evidence suggests no that that is not the case. Uh, with publications from the Medical Research Council, you know, early in two thousand nine and two thousand ten, demonstrating that a lot of people with tinnitus are not referred on uh, into secondary healthcare, um, so ENT services or indeed specialist management services. The challenge really is trying to access these secondary services or second tier services and in certain parts of the country the provision is, re- is 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 good in other parts of the country it's less good unfortunately um, it is a little bit hit and miss depending on whereabouts you actually live one of the things that the organization that i work for has has written over the last uh, few weeks is a tinnitus first appointment guide uh, and this is available for download from our website which actually provides the patient with uh, or the sufferer with background information on the condition but also provides advice to the general practitioner so it's something that individuals can take along to their uh, general practitioner appointment and have more of a chance of working collaboratively with with the GP to find a pertinent referral source for for further management and that's available from our website which is www.thetinnitusclinic.co.uk. 
From my own experience as well, Mark, I've found that um, I've had a GP who was very sympathetic mm. and a GP who wasn't so sympathetic to me actually talking about tinnitus. So I can very much relate to that. Yes, yes. I mean, this is the issue. There's no standardised guideline for practice, really. The NHS does have a good tinnitus guide, but it doesn't really link patient profile to treatment option. So it's it has been criticised, and uh, it probably is due for an update, overdue for an update, in my opinion. And just uh, finally, Mark, what kind of tips would you give to someone if they are experiencing tinnitus and they don't know what to do? There are a number of low, you know, of low risk uh, medical conditions that can cause tinnitus as a side effect, impacted earwax or ear infections. So the first port of call really would be to see your GP or alternatively to seek help uh, at a specialist service that actually has a multidisciplinary team. Because if there is a medical or surgical solution to the problem, then that, that's preferable. You know, it really is. So if removal of earwax can resolve it, you know, that does save a lot of uh, uh, long-term management. So the first point of call would be GP or indeed a specialist service. Mark Williams, audiologist with the Tinnitus Clinic. Uh, thank you very much for talking to me today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thanks. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out insightradio.co.uk.